This segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at Two Under, Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, and that's a whole nother story. And your girlfriend and or wife is going to love the side effects, a visually enhanced profile. Their Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market and use coupon code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. All right, folks, now back in making his eighth appearance with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is 2013 Senior Open Champion, and now one of the top instructors in the game, and that's Mark Wiebe. Let me remind you a little bit about Mark's background. He's from Seaside, Oregon, and grew up in Escondido, California. Played his college golf at Palomar Junior College and then transferred to San Jose State. And while at Palomar, he was the individual medalist at the 1977 California Amateur and won the 1977 Idaho Amateur as well. He was named a second-team All-American in 1979 at San Jose State. That season, he and Don Levin won the Silverado Invitational in Napa, California. He turned pro in 1980 and started on the PGA Tour in 83. His first career win came at the 1985 Anheuser-Busch uh, Anheuser Classic. Uh, he beat uh, John Mahaffey in that tournament with a birdie on the first playoff hole. Won again the following year in 86 at the Hardy's Golf Classic. This time by one shot over Kurt Byram thanks to a, a birdie on the 17th hole during the final round. Mark matched Bobby Watkins' record for being the youngest winner on the Champions Tour at 50 years and 10 days old when he won the SAS Championship. 2013, he won the Senior Open Championship at Royal Burkdale, defeating Bernard Longer on the fifth playoff hole after a final round, 66. Later on in 2013, he captured the Pacific Lynx Hawaii Championship in a playoff over Corey Pavin. In all, he's won eight times as a pro, twice on the regular tour, five times on the Champions Tour, plus the 1986 Colorado Open. You can now find him out in Rio Verde, Arizona, and I'm very thrilled Mark is back with me tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Mark, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks, buddy. Eight times. I didn't even... That's unbelievable. <laughs> yes, and I'm honored every single one of them, so I appreciate you, my friend. Ah, cool for you to have me on. So, Mark, uh, congratulations. Go out to uh, to your family, your son, on his recent marriage. From what I saw on social media, the reception looked like a heck of a good time. Well, it was awesome. That was so. My oldest daughter uh, is married now. My son has just turned thirty-one. Is now married, and uh, we had a fantastic time. It was out in San Diego on top of a building on a beautiful night. Uh, just was an awesome. Uh, it was kind of almost like a little bit of a family reunion for me because uh, I got to see all my kids in one spot, and you know, one husband, one future wife and one future husband so uh it was cool to see my my team assembled so to speak mark since the last time we got together you were you were in the process of moving from san jose to arizona getting yourself situated out there catch us up what's going on with you what are your plans for 2020 
Well, uh, you know, we're finally settled. We moved out here in October. Uh, everything is good with my family's doing great. Um, and now I'm in the process of looking for a spot to get my 7030 club, especially the 7030 club and inside the ropes back up and running. That was seemed to really turn out to be a pretty big hit, uh, up in the Bay Area there. And, uh, I've had some kids, you know, that say, "Will you tell me when you're located so we can fly down and do a inside the rope?" So um, I'm kind of looking for the right spot. I'm talking to a few places, and you know, it's got to be a, it has to be a, to to make it right. It has to be a good spot and and really nice short game area because that's kind of uh, what we're talking about here when we talk about inside the ropes is more of a scoring slash uh, short game expertise is what you become i think just by uh by what all the stuff that we do in the in the session so um really anxious to get that up and running and although i'm not in a super hurry because i want it to be the right place um i am anxious to get that going and and see what we can uh we can make an impact mark i want to get your thoughts i want you weighing in as a as a you know guy that played out on tour for for many many years um the situation going on right now with Patrick Reed, would that bother you? Would you be, if you were playing against Patrick Reed, whether it was in just a, a regular tournament or, or particularly if you were playing him in match play, would you be watching him more closely than you might otherwise have watched a, a player? Does any of that sort of bother you or is that just sort of, you know what, ho-hum, we're, we're moving on? Um, it's hard to put it in the ho-hum category because, you know, it's pretty egregious, I, I would say. Um, I'm also a believer in, you know, giving people a second chance. I, I don't, I hate to contempt, condemn someone, uh, wasn't in his head. Uh, I saw what I saw and didn't like it very much. Uh, hard to believe that goes on actually. You know, it, it might be hard for some people, you know, it's, you know, we've been through this already with other, uh, situations with different golfers that, we saw a golf golfer on top of the world, you know, have a fall from grace. And, you know, he's accepted back. And I, I see nothing like why we can't do that with everyone. But, you know, that's a tough situation. You know, I I, I just, that's a hard one for me. I, mm. But, you know, it's a hard, hard side for me to take because I obviously I, I'm not into going against the rules or cheating or whatever you want to call it. I'm really not an advocate of that, but I'm also an advocate of, you know, we're going to condemn a guy when we don't condemn other people or, you know, what's the deal. So, uh, I wish I had a, I wish I was not such a fence post writer on that, but, uh, that's a tough <laughs> one. I, I, I'll tell you what I did see. I saw some pretty damn good golf out of that guy. And, you know, he's got cameras on him right now that are, uh, if something were to happen now, then kind of like fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So, right. uh, if I just can't imagine, I mean, honestly, he's got everybody in the world, including TV and cell phones and everything on him. So I would imagine right now, I can't imagine doing anything against the rules, certainly. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But as far as the golf side goes, I would imagine some guys would be a little bit have a hard time because they'd be you can't do that in golf. 
for instance, on a match play tournament, especially, you can hate the guy you're playing or love the guy you're playing. In either case, he's just the guy I'm playing. I can't put really a emotion on the guy I'm playing. I'm just going to play as hard as I can. And that's the way it is. So I think Patrick Reed's doing that great, by the way. For him to suck it up like this and and know he's on stage and perform the way he is, wow, amazing. I actually didn't know he was that good. You want the truth? Is that right? Yeah, I thought he was good. I, I, I mean, this is a this is tough. This is, you know, Tiger went through this adversity where you know with with his thing and look at how hard it was, injuries and social life and everything to come back. It, it took him years to get back and get uh, on top of his game again. And here, Patrick Reed didn't have an injury, but he's, you know, that's a kind of an emotional injury, I would say, if anything. Uh, and, and he's back on top. He just beat the best in Mexico. So, yeah. So, Mark, I want to go inside the ropes a little with you. When you were playing out on tour, in between shots, you know, you're, you're walking the course, walking up to your golf ball. Did you like to talk to your playing partner or to your caddy? Or were you too focused on what the next shot was going to be and, and kind of lining that up instead of, uh, you know, wanting to chit chat as you were walking along? Um, uh, you know, I would, that's probably kind of a blend. I, I hated not, not, you know, if my playing partner didn't want to talk, I was good with that because I had my caddy. And I hired my caddy because, uh, in all cases, I hired my caddy because I enjoyed hanging out with somebody for eight hours a day. So you better like them because you're going to be with them a lot. So if, if your playing partners didn't talk to you, you talk to your caddy. And I made sure my caddy was first on, did you see that hockey game last night? How about that overtime goal? What about, you know, that game-winning basket at the end of the Nuggets game? I wanted my guy to be kind of into the, if he could be, into sports, so we'd have something to talk about the next day. So I like to get away, whether it was my playing partner or not. Once I hit a shot, I, I would like to talk about what happened on the sports the night before, what was upcoming, standings were, you know, I was a big hockey fan, football fan, baseball fan, basketball fan. When the March Madness came around, we'd talk about March Madness. Should the college football have a playoff or not? What are we going to do? Those conversations is what I like talking about. And then I kind of had a body clock on. So when I was getting closer to my ball, I would kind of start paying attention to, you know, what kind of shot I had. You know, you get fault back into the being super keen about what's going on. You, I kind of went from really passionate about what happened on the game last night. I was a big Avalanche fan. And, you know, there's a couple of years that they've had a couple of goals at the end of the games that really uh, told their story. And so I would really get into that during my round. And then when it got to be time to start paying attention to golf again, I, I did that. You know, I wasn't ever like a Fuzzy or a Trevino, although those guys come across one way and they're actually another. I just kind of like to get away from a little bit from what's going on because I'm going to deal with it when I get up there. Why do I want to start dealing with it now when I, I don't even know what kind of lie I have, for God's sake. I can't, you know, there's nothing I can do till I see it. Even if I'm in the middle of the fairway, I can't plan my attack to the green until I get up and see my lie. Kind of read what, what, okay, here's, and then go through my process. So some people have a process 
that starts earlier. Some people have a quick process that starts later, uh, you know, nearer the ball. Maybe even once they get, they're talking to their caddy, they're like, like, dad, what do you got? 168? Okay, I'm in his seven. Look out. That's what I've seen Taylor <laughs> play great golf that way. So, uh, you know, there's some, and then some guys would be more, they would call it more intellectual where they have to think all the way up about all these situations. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait till I see what situation it is. And then I'll give that a hundred percent. One of the things you mentioned, Lee Trevino's name and it, you know, Lee is at least notoriously known for, you know, constant talking right? the whole time, yeah. always having some, some story or something to say. Did you have an opportunity to play with Trevino? And was he, was he like that? Or is that just something that, that we had that we believed he was like, but he really wasn't? No, I have played with Lee Trevino and I played with him when I was first pro. The first time I played with him, I was in South America down in Colombia playing in the Colombian Open. And I was, what was I, 21 maybe? Maybe 22 years old. So playing with Lee Trevino, are you kidding me? I was freaking out, but I paid attention to him. And then I got on, you know, after I made the tour, I got to know him and kind of know his deal and watch him and play with him and totally watch him when I was playing with him. And the deal about there's times that, that Lee Trevino was speaking, but I don't even know if he knew what he was saying because I was watching him totally intent on the shot he had at hand. But he liked throwing it like it, it wasn't a big deal. So sometimes he would just jibber jabber away, not even making sense almost, you know, just to to do his stick. Yet when you watch his eyes, you can see exactly where he is and he knows exactly where he is. He has this shot and this shot means something. And he's totally into it 100% as much as anybody in the world. Although you would think he's not even into it, you know. He uh, doesn't even look like he cares. But once you play with him and you see his action, uh, it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Mark, I want to get your insights on a tour player's mental approach to the game. Right? For so many of us, we're our own worst enemy, right? We're our own worst critic. Where We're down on ourselves if we hit a bad shot, slamming the club down, cursing themselves, and all of that sort of thing. Do tour players do that? Are you guys so focused on, all right, that was a bad shot, but I'm going to get up here and I'm going to hit another good shot right here and it's not going to make any difference. Talk about the different mindsets between a tour pro and an amateur. Well, I will tell you uh, one of the biggest things that I see, and and I've, I've been there and I've also watched it. When you're on top of your game and you hit, you're hitting the ball on the range as a warm-up, you don't, you have no idea how you're even hitting it. All right. You're just hitting and you're so in tune with going to play the game, not so much hit. Whereas I think amateurs are way more into if they have a nice range warm up, they feel really good going to the first tee. And if they don't, they don't feel that great going to the first tee. They're thinking, Oh my God, I didn't hit it any good at all. I hope, well, I hope I hit it good on the golf course because my warm up was awful. That kind of stuff goes on uh, with amateurs where tour pros, that when you're on your game tour pros, when they are hitting beforehand, it doesn't matter because it doesn't count. We're, we're more anxious to get to the round, and it might go not very good, or it might go good. It's all part of the journey of that round. 
and a really a guy that really is on his game. I guess Phil Mickelson would probably come to mind because he hits it when he hits it offline. He hits it pretty good offline. I mean, it's not barely offline. He can really wick it way offline. But if you ever watch his eyes, he's totally into scoring and coming up with a shot. And that's what tour pros do. They're never, you know, when I was my best, I was never surprised at what might happen. I might react to it like, wow, that was a drag or what a lucky break. It hit off that tree and hit the gallery post and knocked on the green. Sweet. Um, you just start, it's part of the, the ride for the day. So you always, when you're on top of your game, you always figure out, and it's this simple. I'm pulling it a little bit. I'm going to aim just a little further right. You know, I'm coming over it a little bit from the top and it's cutting a little more. I'll just give it a little more room to the left. And then you kind of play along. And that's what I see when I, when I, when I've been there, and that's what I see when I'm watching good play to this day. A really tour pro and really on his game. Watch them. They don't. It doesn't matter where it goes. Patrick Reed, as an example, when he hit that iron way to the right on 18, never even thought about it. He never thought about anything uh, other than what he's got coming up. He wasn't busy wondering why he hit it to the right. He was already up figuring out what he was going to do, how he was going to make a four or five. That's that's a tour pro. That's a guy on top. But it's not just a tour pro. It's a tour pro on top of his game. There's a couple of things I I, I want to get a little deeper into that you just mentioned, Mark. You, you mentioned Phil Mickelson, and you know, and and for so many of us, when we're when we go out to play our rounds, and and we hit a shot into a bunker, you know, sort of a letdown, like oh no. Right, we have the dread that we're going to. Now we're in the bunker, and we're going to be able to get this out, and that sort of thing. But tour players, and you mentioned Phil Mickelson, you guys are thinking about how to make it from in the bunker. And so that's a whole different mindset, and it's like a 180 difference for what amateurs think about. So is 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 the talk about the mindset of you know being around the green in a bunker? Maybe you're you know a little over short that sort of thing, where we've got the dread of this next shot, you guys are thinking, make it. Well, guys on tour, for instance, on a par five, would if they're not on the green, they'd much rather be in a bunker than in the rough surrounding the green. And that's simply because you have now grass in between your club base and the ball, so you have a little bit of inconsistency. You're not super sure about how ball's going to come out. Could come out hot, could come out soft. You're not real sure, but in a bunker, now granted, know that we have, when we get to the tournament, that we maybe have played in for years and years or not, when we get to the tournament, we go right to the bunkers and figure out what the bunkers are. Are they skimpy? Are they thick? Are they like bisquick? Are they like beet sand? Are they like dirt? Do they have shells in them? I mean, all of these questions that you, when you go figure out how to do it, and then once you figure out how to do it, you you have hit enough balls that you execute. So now you know out of the stand because you never are making contact in a greenside bunker. You're never making contact with the ball ever. You're only hitting stand. So you can kind of be more, mm, you can be more accurate 
out of a bunker because you know how the sand's going to react. Unlike the rough around the greens, it gets a little bit gnarly. You're not sure how the ball's going to react. So you will see tour guys and really good golfers going for the bunkers if they can't get on the greens because you're going to, you're going to make it or you're going to hit it close. That's just the way it is. And when you have that mindset going into a bunker, you can imagine how much easier it is to hit a shot than going in a little bit scared and a little bit unsure. So, you know, not everybody has the luxury of going out and checking out the stand before they play at a golf course. You know, a lot of people are showing up to a resort and they haven't hit a bunker shot in the first hole. You know, they're going to hit a bunker and they're not really sure. So, then I think you need to go back to a little bit more feedback of past performance. Whatever gets you over that little mini hurdle of being comfortable or uncomfortable. So to me, it's about execution, knowing that if I do this, if I hit two to three inches behind the ball, slightly a downward move into the bunker, slightly cutting across, my ball's always going to come out like this, whatever this is. So it, it, it gives you a little bit of peace of mind and being comfortable with the shot that you don't get so anxious and have the anxiety flare in and cause you to hit a bad shot. At least you have something that is to a go-to. Hey, I know how to do this. I know I didn't really want this shot this early. I haven't hit a bunker shot, but I do remember this. If I take the club up and I have the ball in my stance here and my weight's like this, and I do my thing. This is all about execution. And if I do my thing, I know the ball will at least get out and it'll roll up there and then I'll be good. So I think it's mindset, probably technique. You're going to hear later from one of the great teachers. So it's technique. But, you know, as, as a tour guy goes, we've hit so many shots out of so many bunkers that it does become where we just, we know Instead of thinking we know out of the rough, we think we know how it's going to go. Out of the sand, we know we know how it's going to go. Mark, one more before I let you go. And you talked about this a moment ago with when you're on your game and you're and you're playing along. When your swing or your ball flight isn't going the way that you wanted it to during the round, right? Early on in your round, you're seeing, you know what? Hey, I am. Uh, you know, I'm fading this ball a little bit. No matter what I do, I'm, I'm hitting a little fade here. Do you, do you for a couple of holes, try to figure it out and fix it? Or do you realize for this round, this is how I'm going to be playing. This is how what my ball flight's going to look like. So I'm just going to adjust a little bit, whether it's where I stand on the tee or where I aim. I'm just going to go with it. Well, I, I would recommend having a go-to shot. If, if you're just unsure and a little bit, anxious about what's going on if you can if you know that you can slice the ball or know that you can hook the ball that then tells you where you can aim and i i try to play a shot a curve i try to i tell every junior that i've worked with because they keep telling me they're trying to hit it straight and i always remind them you know that the straight shot is the hardest shot to hit in golf you know that before you tell me you're going to hit it straight you really know that's the hardest one the easiest one is to curve. So I try to find a curve that is easy for me, and that might change daily. But if I can find a curve or the ball's curving, I've told 
many uh, amateur and pro-am. You know, Mark, I keep starting my ball down the middle and it ends up in the right trees. You know what I tell them? Aim farther left. Play for that. Why fight it? You can work on it on the range, on the courses where we are measured by our score. It's not where we're measured about how good we look or how great we hit it. It really is, hey, what'd you shoot? So anything that allows you to get in at the lowest score you have for that day is the way I think you should play golf every day. And that's what I try to tell all the kids that I work with on Inside the Rope is this is, it's all about scoring. You're not, you don't get us, people are, it's not skating or swimming or where, <laughs> where they're judging you no by the way you point. look. It, yeah, it doesn't matter. It, it really is about what you shoot. Mark, before I let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with all the things you're doing, whether it's online or it's on social media. Well, I, I do, uh, I've got, uh, I think I'm just Mark Weeby Golf on Instagram. That seems to be my favorite thing to check out golf on or share stuff. I do have a Twitter and that is at Mark Weeby 33. And when my website is back up and running, it'll be with a new provider, but it'll still be called markweebygolf.com. And hopefully this old guy can get this up and running here soon so I can start connecting with people and uh, and start doing some lessons and stuff. Mark, always a huge thrill to have you as part of the show. I can't thank you enough for continuing to take time out of your evenings to come back and share your thoughts and your insights. It's, uh, it's a real treat, and I always learn something every time you're on the show. I hope you'll come back and do it again soon. You're awesome, bud. Thank you so much. And next time, it'll be number nine. So we're almost. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Look forward to it. Take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, buddy. See you, Mark. That's the great Mark Wiebe, W-I-E-B-E. And uh, check him out on uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. Hopefully he gets his website back up and running soon. He got a lot of great content on there. So I miss not having it uh, to be able to check out over the last several weeks. But Mark's a great guy and a great friend. And I can't wait to have him back on the show again soon.